Hello, this is another episode of Film Stuff, and this Film Stuff is sponsored by Very Warm Flannel Pajama. Do you remember the fig video and Susie wore like this set of pajama jamas and I was just wildly jealous of it. And so I was like, I gotta get me a full set because I've only ever had the pants, but like the set makes Susie, the difference. The set is nice. I know. I like how now I have to just like, don't think about wearing anything. What? <laughs> that didn't come out right. That's Susie's naked right now. <laughs> anyway. What I like is how I'm not embarrassed to answer the door when I'm wearing my pajamas. Exactly. You're like, ooh. It feels like I'm together in my home in a different Somehow, way. Somehow, right? <laughs> Put this on, I feel like I'm together. I know. <laughs> Even though it's still pajamas. It's still pajamas. It was more than a dream. What are we talking about today, Susie? Uh, Lee sent me this article about how Maniac, the Netflix originals, are really um, looking at data and how they're just feeding a story that people really like. So if you are feeding people what story they want to see, it's going to be successful. Its argument is like now the storytelling has to be data-driven as well. And Netflix is like a huge data-driven company, which... Mm. um, first show even the netflix original show house of cards were like made because of data netflix saw the data and kevin spacey movies whatever he was in people really liked it so they cast him they liked drama they liked it to be hour long Mm -hmm. i think people were watching television series all at once yeah so they got that three data points and made house of cards so which is a reboot anyway it did very well So I will give a little bit of a history lesson. Nielsen is the big company that does television ratings. For a long time, everywhere in the world, they used to do everything via... Phone survey. Survey. Phone surveys. And first of all, who answers a phone survey at like 4 p.m.? Right? That's a self-selecting group in and of itself. (laughs) Old people. (laughs) So they call you up. And they'd say... What did you watch this week? How long did you watch it? What channels were you watching? And or they give you what's called like a diary and you keep track of like what you watched for a week as a family. So the problem is what people say they watched and what they actually watch is like really different. So Nielsen's data and Nielsen's ratings that determined which shows were popular were really, really flawed data sets. So now we're entering the internet era where we can see not only what people are watching, but we can see how they're watching it. We can see great detail. We can see what they watched before and what they watched after. We can see which parts they repeated. We can see when they paused and for how long. Which search term got me to this? Did I start in the middle? Did I skip the intro? We have a lot more detailed data than Nielsen ever provided us for television shows with online streaming. So as a result, we can see that Oh, people don't just like mind-bending movies as a genre. They literally are watching every Kevin Spacey movie that existed. That type of data, this is the first time we've had access to... to how much people... I mean, like, viewing behavior, I would mm. say. So it kind of makes sense to me that filmmakers would start looking at that data to try and make decisions. I mean, if you know your show is going to be distributed on Netflix, isn't your number one question, well... What does people want to see? Exactly. That's all that's what the article is saying, right? And it does totally makes logical sense. I'm like... So what part do you disagree with? It's the art part. It's the artistic part. There's a lot of times that data and numbers doesn't tell. There's like... um, If you're making a poster, 
for instance there's formulas that's supposed to look better like we can use like golden ratio to make it look better but there's like the other artistic creative side that human just thought about it the composition is not right it's unusual but still works those parts are the accidents of you trying in humans era that can create more different diverse styles and could push forward some of the genres and creativity to make something more that's like on a popular side it's like is it kind of like i think it's a bad thing no is that pandering to the audience yes. that's what you're asking and is that a bad thing hmm. it was more than a dream there's no like official announcement but a lot of people have speculated that netflix has used their streaming data, data yeah. to help influence how Netflix original films have been made. Their attempts to have data influence how content is made has been successful, i.e. House of Cards. And it's also been kind of a failure. Bright and Okja both did not do as well as anticipated. Yeah, I mean, it's like this. It's like you get all this data from mass amount of people, but you're then you're like trying to make a popular video. And then you're not really targeting anyone then i feel like it's almost like a module it's not bad but it's like factory made then it's like you have a formula you make it and then boom it's like all this like what is this hodgepodge of people think <laughs> some maybe this might korean people like rather than actually whatever what the director wanted to say or the script writer wanted to say yeah, like, i think the story got lost into the way of algorithm a unity of vision i mean it's so attractive though to take some of the mystery out of the process of trying to make something creative mm -hmm. to say i know what's going to be successful and i have this guideline that can help me make decisions as a director i mean that's all the director's job is is just making millions and millions and millions of decisions it's tons of artistic details and to have some data to help you wrangle that i can understand the appeal and the attraction of that mm -hmm. but i think the reality is that People don't have good taste. Yes. Sorry. Mass don't have good taste. Well, okay. If mass decided everything, we would never have Godfather. If mass exactly. had taste, we would have no Leon the professional. I think the problem is that number one, people don't always know what they want. Number two, sometimes the greatest artistic works were not accepted in their time. You get people like Van Gogh who never made it as an artist until after his death. You get people like even 2001 A Space Odyssey, which we talked about in the very first film stuff episode ever, it was not particularly accepted when it came out. People were like, it's slow. I don't know what this movie is about. It's a little bit cerebral. It's like, I, I don't know. know. But then, of course, now we look back on it and say it's one of the greatest works of science fiction ever created. Stanley Kubrick is a genius. It's his best and most representative work, blah, 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 blah. So sometimes it t there's an incubation period for things to really be fully understood and appreciated. It was more than a dream. So let's give one sentence on how this relates to us making YouTube videos. Um, we always think about what trending and what's popular on YouTube. This is what people want to see. Should I make something like that? Right now is get unready with me. I thought I was like, what? Y'all, when we were in Gyeongju, Susie just kept making get unready with me jokes like the entire <laughs> time. She's like, Lee, you should film me. Get unready with me. <laughs> It's about time. We should do it. We should put it I on our... I think we should do... It's going to be really hot right now. It's going to do really well for SEO. I only wonder, should I be making something mm. that's popular and trending to be more recognizable? Yeah. 
Hmm. I mean, you should always have your audience in mind to some extent. We look at the analytics. We are actively looking at where people are coming from and what they're searching for. But it's not like it's determining our right. next movie, n- next film. So top search, Gyeongju. We're going to make Gyeongju video again. You know, we're not doing that. Right. I know. We're like, movie theater did really well. We're making the second one. Spoiler alert! <laughs> no, really, we are making a second movie theater video. <laughs> what? But not because we're of the, not the algorithm. Data. Not because no, of the algorithm. Data, no. Yeah, I think you look at data because you want to know what's happening and you want to be in touch with it. If suddenly we started, like, let's say we started posting extraction videos and then we lost like 700 subscribers a day for the next week, I'm pretty sure that's a sign that they're not interested in extraction videos. So you look at the data because you want to know what's happening with your viewers and what they like and what they don't like. But you don't necessarily use the data to help you pick what content to make. So I don't know if we're in the majority like do other creators not give a flying rat's ass about the algorithm i'm not sure are we are we should we be paying more attention to the data are we missing something important if you know tell us youtube youtube or other people or other people it was more than a dream one of the problems with being data first is that people can only search for what they know and the human experience is more complex than that. So when you're like looking at things like search terms and how people watch videos, I think it's giving you one data point, but it's not giving you a full picture of what's happening. That you're missing shades of color. You're missing layers of meaning. Yeah, exactly. How they categorize the movies or mm. this like clips or any other ad sets is very limiting. And it's like really hard for anyone to know why this person likes this and why people watch this and that's why i think i want to talk about another parts of a data-driven algorithm platform let's talk about itunes why itunes playlist is much better than spotify okay both services make playlists Spotify's uses algorithmic data to make a playlist. So it's based on what other people listen to and also what's popular. And they recommends you right. what I mean what you heard and they will match it with the playlist. First people who listen to this album also listen to this album and also playlists that seem to perform very well include both of these artists. You'll probably like them. High percentage chance. Mm-hmm. iTunes doesn't do that. They use humans to curate their playlist. Nowadays music is very not one genre. It could be pop, it could be then also disco. I don't know what I don't know is another thing, right? It's basically the same theory of like, people don't search for what you don't know. If I search for this artist, I would never actually got this artist, but because it's a playlist, because something I like about that, I'm mostly likely to find three or four artists that I like or a song that I like. What you're saying is that it's surprising. We like to be surprised. We like things that we can't expect. We like to be delighted. There's a percentage. And if you're an engineer, you're going to try and quantify this percentage. You like rock. How off of rock? What percentage of off of rock are you going to enjoy in this playlist? How varied should this playlist be? And their end goal is for us to be happy. 
and watch more things. Their end goal is not stay, for us to get bored long, and leave. Stay longer in their platform. Pay more in the platform, no? Which is why you have companies like iTunes, which is investing in an editorial staff that curates specific playlists. Mm-hmm. And you also see it. There's another company called Never Think. Never Think is curated internet videos. And they have one person is in charge of one category. Human curation is an alternative that a lot of companies have been coming up with for that exact reason, is that otherwise you get bored. You don't even know what to search for. Mm -hmm. You don't even know what what you're gonna be surprised and delighted by Mm -hmm. that you wouldn't think to click on because the thumbnail wasn't exactly what works for you. (laughs) It was more than a dream. Here's something very poetic and true about computing. A random number generator can be made in computing, but true randomness in computing is impossible. We can make it be basically more or less random because we can quantify the probabilities, but actual randomness is really, really hard. And when iTunes first launched, they had that shuffle feature. Oh yeah. And what would happen is that two songs by the same artist would play in a row. And people are like, oh, this isn't really random, but in all mathematical honesty, that's actual randomness. It's two songs by the same artist are bound to play together at some point. So iTunes had to adjust what it calculated as random to make people feel like it was random, even though it's actually less random now. Does that mm, make sense? Yeah. So what you have to remember about all of these algorithmic anything, whether it's just Shuffle deciding what music to play next or Spotify creating a playlist for you of recommended likes, somebody's making those decisions. Somebody's quantifying what order to show you things in, how mm. much is enough for you to actually like it, how similar to the other content you search for does it have to be. All of these platforms are making decisions. The algorithm is is monolithic right now. It's only mm. one thing. Right now, it's all just, if we show you stuff you like, you're going to spend longer on our platform. I don't know, especially now it's kind of reached the lexicon where YouTubers talk about the algorithm like it's a living, breathing thing that really? they must pay homage to. Like, people like, <laughs> do all this stuff for the almighty algorithm. Oh my god. So, I mean, we hated on Netflix and its algorithm for a second, but their recommendation engine for Netflix is by far the best, mm-hmm. by far the most accurate. They have a super top-notch engineering team trying to figure out what it is that we're gonna wanna watch next. But I do think, even with big data, I just think that there's a part of the human experience that can't be quantified. Ultimately, this is like deep and philosophical, Susie. But ultimately, I think that's why art exists, is there's a portion of the human experience that can't be quantified and will never be quantified. And engineers will try and they'll get very good at it, but there will be a piece of art that can never be discovered by recommendation engine. It cannot be replaced by algorithm and engineers. What? Engineers, go home. (laughs) It was more than a dream. I don't know. It was an interesting thought. Storytelling and data and the new era of filmmaking. We'll link to all the the good stuff that we talked about in the show notes. And if you want to let us know what you think about algorithms in general, the best place to do that would be in an iTunes review or as a comment one of our videos. We've been using YouTube Stories. That's a new feature. We've been trying that out. So if Mm -hmm. you have a question, ask us there. We'd love to answer it. Or reply to our emails. If you're not subscribed to our email, like newsletter, get on that. Fine. What? What? Conflicting. <laughs> <laughs> not fine. Do the call to actions work? We should look at the data. 